episode 90 of the Bevan James Oz Show, the fitness behavior podcast. Here it comes. Right here, team, welcome along to the Bevan James Isle Show, the Fitness Behaviour Podcast, the fortnightly podcast that goes over the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that go alongside it. Well, welcome along today, guys. I've just actually, I've got a, um, I've just got back from Hawaii. So I went to Hawaii, oh, I got back about three days ago. I've still got my tan. You know, you like a bit of a tan in your life, don't you? And I've got a bit of a tan because I've just been doing some work at the Ironman World Championships. And, uh, I'm very privileged to get to do this work. I go over. I only do it every couple of years, but I I go over and it's a really cool couple of weeks because a I think I talked about this at the end of the last show how I kind of get the access to these people at the most important time, and this trip in particular was um, you know like it's funny because I've done it a few times now, so you kind of get used to the experience. You kind of know what it's going to be, and, and in some ways it's good because it makes you really efficient, and in some ways it makes it lose a bit of the mystery, because when you first go to something, a good example is the first time you go to an exciting place like Disneyland or places like that, the first time you go to them, everything about it's kind of special, well then when you've been a few times, you know, it's, it's still fun, but it's not necessarily the magic that you had when you first went there, and I always think it's really important in life when you're in an area of your life that you still appreciate that you get the opportunity for, but you are very familiar with it, that you still respect that you get this opportunity. It's funny, isn't it? Because I work in Les Mills, and Les Mills is this big international company, and I've been very fortunate in my career to get reach, you know, pretty much the highest level of what you can achieve within Les Mills. And um, I've been doing, you know, the DVDs for Body Attack, which is kind of, was always my dream role. And I've been doing that for about 15 years now, maybe even 16 years. And so um, I'm very familiar of it and and I know it really well. And the, the mystery and the excitement maybe, or actually isn't there like it used to be when I was a young man, and uh, well, at least 16 years ago, and uh, maybe I was still a young man, I'm not quite sure, but, but the one thing I always try to make sure is that there's a few things that I really sit on top of is that I'm in this role because I have to do a job, so I have to respect that job, and there's a level of commitment to that job that I always must maintain. But the second thing to, to, to really always remember is that I must respect and not forget how important what I do, or at least the position I'm holding in this role, is for everybody who would like to be in my role, and also for the people who get the opportunity to do what I do now, but they're new to it. You know, like it's funny, I remember a while ago I went out for coffee with this young instructor, and and I found myself, I, I must have been in a bit of a funny place career-wise at that moment, and I sat down with this person, and, and they were just really keen, and, and Les Mills does that for new instructors when they first start out, it's a really exciting time in somebody's life because you get the opportunity to do something that you feel very passionate about. Um, there's lots of kind of rewards and challenge and all that good stuff. And as I was talking to this girl, I think I'd had some problems with management. I don't know, this is ages ago, but you know, these things happen. And I found myself almost diminishing her dream a little bit. And I remember just thinking to myself, oh, this is not my role. You know, there's maybe some wisdom that I can share with this person to think about on their path along the way. But it's not to diminish the energy and excitement that they are bringing to this right now. And it was a lesson I learned a long time ago, that kind of interaction with this girl. And it really made me remember that 
my job is to do my job as best that I can. But even though the familiarity of me being in this role means it's no longer the Disneyland experience that I had when I first did these DVDs, I have to make sure I don't diminish that for the others who get to do this. And it's something I've always been aware of. And and so when I go to Kona, you know, like lots of people, the idea of just going to watch the Ironman World Championship, if you're a triathlete, that's one of the most exciting things that you can do. And when you've been there maybe seven or eight times, you could get a little bit stale on the experience. But for me, I just always remind myself that no, imagine what it's like here to be here the first time. And I think there's something that's, there's kind of responsibility to be the person who gets to do this role to make sure that you you kind of keep that fresh fresh approach to what you're doing there. So there's that aspect to it, you know, so I make sure I kind of embrace the experience. The other thing I do, I do as well is, um, and this is definitely the highlight of the trip for me. So the highlight of the trip for me, you know, being in Hawaii is pretty cool. Uh, doing the interviews with the pros before the race, kind of all the activities around it, all this stuff was lots of fun. But the best moment in the trip was John, the guy I do the show with, and myself, we got to stand behind the finish line in an interview all the top pro athletes come across the finish line as they came in. And I've got to say, what an experience. Can, can you remember the, the, the hardest thing you've done in your life? You know, the, 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 you know. We, I remember one time years ago, my, my, my ex-partner and I, we used to own a, a massage massage therapy clinic and we had a few, you know, staff and all the rest of it. And we, and we decided one day that we were going to do up our massage rooms. And so we basically spent a lot of money and time. And I remember there's like a, a week where we just were like builders for a week and we just worked from like four in the morning through to midnight every day for a week. And, uh, it was a really, really hard week. And I remember at the end of that week, we finally finished the rooms and we were kind of proud of the fact that we got the work done. And there was a moment where fatigue was just so much. And I remember we just gave each other a hug. And it was just quite a nice moment because it was just that moment of ultimate fatigue, isn't it? And, and I imagine as you're listening to this right now, you can probably have a similar experience. That time in your life where you've done something really, really hard. You know, and you've put a lot of time and energy and effort into doing this thing. And and I like that moment just as that finishes. You know, for my partner and I at that time, as we're sitting in that massage room after like seven days of like 20 hour days, or maybe not quite 20 hours, maybe 18 hour days, but, but long days and the fatigue that came with that, but also the satisfaction in that moment. And, and it was just, there's a vulnerability in that moment, isn't there? kind of an honesty in that moment and, and for my partner and I at that time it was a really nice vulnerability because we just kind of connected in a really powerful way well as John and I stand behind the finish line when we're doing the Ironman uh, coverage post-race we get to see people like that in that moment we get to see the world's best iron distance triathletes in that moment these are people who have worked for 12 months for that day and you know for those who don't know much about Ironman you're, you're swimming 3.8k you're biking 180k you're running a marathon and these these top end athletes the male guys are doing close to eight hours the female guys are doing under nine hours so the female get with female competitors are doing around nine hours so they're out there for a long time and now it's one thing to think to yourself to exercise for that long would be absolutely crazy but when you think about the elite athletes in the world they are doing it at levels that we could never comprehend. So, for example, in the Ironman World Championships, one of the the guys in the top five ran, I think it was a 238 marathon. Now, 
99% of the population could not run a 2.38 marathon, 38 marathon. It's, it's, it's freakish in, in most standards. You know, it's a very, very good run time. But to do that at the end of an Ironman, whew, it's, it's mind-blowing to think of. And so, you know, these people who are out there for exercising for that period of time, they're pushing themselves to the absolute max. And at the same time, they're playing a game of chess. Because as much as endurance sport is a very much a personal journey, when you get to the high-end level of the sport, the, the elite athletes of the sport, when you look at those guys, they are making decisions all day based around what's happening with my competitors. You know, it's not just, hey, how do I get through this race? It's how do I get through this race? Racing against the conditions and my competitors. So you can imagine that as you get to that finish line, can you imagine that fatigue that you have at that moment? It's, it's kind of hard to even comprehend. And maybe go back to that time in your life where you had your highest level of fatigue. You know, for me, I, I recall that time with the massage room. I've, I've got other times as well. But, you know, that really high level of fatigue and how vulnerable you are at that moment. And John and I are standing across the finish line. And as these athletes walk across the finish line, we basically put the mic in front of them and just say, tell us about your day. And what I get to experience at that moment is kind of magical, if I'm going to be honest, because no one seems to protect themselves. You know, like, it would be really interesting to go back and interview those same people now, you know, a couple of days later, after the fact, and, and kind of hear their stories, because I imagine they slightly change, you know, but in that moment when we get across that finish line, we're seeing vulnerable, raw emotions. And what's really fascinating about the experience for myself and for John, and for those who listen to our podcast, and that's the other podcast I do, is it's a roller coaster ride of emotions. So you sit down and you talk to the person who won the race. And obviously that they're over the moon. You know, they, they just you couldn't get a better day in their life. And, and even, you know, some athletes who did better than they ultimately thought. I remember there's a woman called Lucy Gossage who's, who broke her collarbone, I think it was like a month ago, and you know, it wasn't even, or maybe eight weeks ago, broke her collarbone and thought, there's no way I'm going to be doing this Ironman World Championship and managed to turn up and I think she got top 10 and we interviewed, I think she got ninth. And just the elation, you know, she's <laughs> in the interview, she swears quite a lot. Uh, and just the elation that she's going through in this moment is is really obvious and it's just you know as I'm interviewing you can see in her eyes that just everything about that moment is just what all that hard work is about for her that vulnerability was a satisfying you know to show the elation was the real excitement for her and then when then we dealt with people who had absolutely terrible days and I remember there's a couple of athletes I interviewed and and as I'm interviewing them you know it, it didn't necessarily come across in their voice in the in the interviews but they are fighting back the tears. You know, they are fighting back the tears. Not tears because they're happy, tears because they are ultimately disappointed in themselves. In this testing moment that they've worked so hard for, they failed. And I remember one guy um, in particular is an athlete who's been a very successful athlete for a very, very long period of time. And, and uh, he was, I actually turned off the microphone because I felt it was a bit disrespectful to keep interviewing him. And afterwards he just said, oh my God, that's just the biggest ego hit you could ever have. And, and to me, I don't I, I know, I just, to, to me that's the highlight of my Kona trip. If you actually want to go and listen to um, 
the the podcast i'll put a link to it in this week's show notes for bevan james i'll show it's on the iron talk it's, it, i highly recommend it. even if you're not into triathlon i highly recommend you go and listen to the interviews because it's just you know some people were also quite comical uh, it's just the real mixed bags of emotions at a vulnerable place and to me I've, i i love that and i kind of love how often do you put yourself in that place in your life you know, it's quite a satisfying thing. So that's just something I just wanted to share with you guys. So that was definitely the highlight of my Kona trip was the moment that I got to share with those people in that very, very challenging time. Anyway, I want to share some patrons of the show. So I'm just going to push pause. I'll be back in one second. And I am back. I did a little bit of pause there, but I am back. And I've got to say, I have got a new patron of the show, Charlotte Bell. And Charlotte Bell is actually a girl that I know. She joined my running group, oh, be a few years ago now. She, she's done, I think, my running group twice over the years. And um, Charlotte's this really lovely person. It's funny, isn't it? You, you kind of, um, you just think of when you think of someone. And Charlotte's just this really smiley um just kind of a lovely soul, and so when I when I thought of her nickname, she she is she's just one of those people that when you see them, they've just got a lovely soul. There's something about them that's got a nice energy. You can tell that their world is better because they are in it. And, and so when I thought about Charlotte, and then I thought Bell, and I thought well, obviously a bell, maybe an instrument. And so Charlotte, your nickname is Music to the World, Charlotte Bell, because what you give to the world is kind of music to the world. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the you are a patron of the show and thank you so much for your support Charlotte because it really means a lot to me some of the other patrons have got Mary I've got the power Dave the governor Ginger Ginger Dave uh, Fiona Stand oh sorry Phoebe Sanders and she's the Stark and then we've also got Michael Noak and he's the hammer guys if you want to become a patron of the show you just go to bevanjamesisles.com it's all very simple you just chuck it in there and you become a patron and just basically each time I release a show I um yeah, you give me a little bit of your hard-earned cash, and it helps me keep doing what I'm doing. Anyway, guys, I'm going to get into the main gist of today's show, and uh, let's push pause, and let's get straight in. Today, I want to touch on a subject that I find really, something I've been working on within myself, to be honest, um, and it's a subject that I did, I think I did a little bit a while ago on the show, but I kind of... I kind of use it in one way, and um, and I've, I've kind of expanded on this in my own life. So the kind of concept was years ago. I think I did a podcast on the idea of the strategy of. Um, I talked about how I, when I went to Hawaii, I must have done it a couple of years ago because it was the last time I was in Hawaii, and I was talking about how when I went to Hawaii, one of the hard things about in America is their big meals. And in America, you know, like I, when I'm away on holiday, I don't want to put weight on. You know, now I'm not someone who can, is that concerned about weight, but, you know, when you're in America, and Joe and I, I remember what I was talking about at the time was that how Joe and I, when we're away, we eat out a lot. Um, it's When we go away on, on, on holiday, our biggest spend is often food. Uh, we like, we like, kind of food um, and we like to kind of eat out and so when we often go away and we're not you know no we're not partying all so it's not alcohol for us but uh, when we travel we uh, uh, often our biggest spend is food and, and I kind of like the fact we get out and you know get amongst different types of food and cultures with food but at the same time uh, America do serve massive meals and after I went to Hawaii last time I did a podcast on this and this is the whole idea of um, a strategy that I used last time because I didn't necessarily want to put weight on because of the size of meals in America. And it's actually a pretty good example because when I was in America, well, when I was in Hawaii last week, the, the people I was with, we went to the Cheesecake Factory. Now, if you know anything about the Cheesecake Factory, and especially in Honolulu, it's a bit of an iconic kind of restaurant. And, uh, 
you literally have to queue for at least an hour or they, they do give you a time to come back but you know this place is a license to print money and uh and uh, we went there and uh and i knew i wanted some cheesecake because i love cheesecake and i you know cheesecake factory you gotta do it so i was very aware of maybe having a smaller meal so i ordered a salad and omg you've never seen a bigger salad in your life the salad wasn't like you think of kind of a salad when you go to a buffet or like a, a family dinner that's got platters out that was kind of the size of my salad in for that meal and that's just an example of kind of american portion sizes when it comes to their meals um, and so last time I was in Hawaii, I, I kind of wanted to keep healthy, you know, and, and again, when you eat out a lot and when you eat out in a place where they have big meals, that can be a problem. And so I, and, and the podcast I did at that time was this whole idea of the how do I want to feel as I walk out the door strategy. And so what I was talking about in that there is that the strategy I went to when I was in Hawaii last time was before I ordered my meal, I wanted to contemplate how I wanted to feel as I walked out of that restaurant that night. And the idea was being that if I was aware of that as I'm ordering the meal, I'd probably make healthier choices and different choices around portion size and things like that. And I think I talked in that podcast at the time how I used to, going out for a dinner was a time where I'd go a bit crazy on food because it was kind of like, hey, I'm going out for dinner. You know, like, and Joe and I don't go out for dinner a huge amount when we're home, so it was kind of like, you know, to go out for dinner when you're... um, in your normal life, it's probably okay occasionally to go a little bit OTT on the food, but when you're going on holidays and you're probably eating out two times a day and big portion sizes, it again, it isn't going to work for me. And so the strategy I wanted to put in place was this whole idea of when I order my food, I want to think about how I'm going to feel as I walk out of the restaurant that day. And it proved to be a very, very successful strategy for me. It really did. Like It really helped me think about what I wanted to to order as I ordered the meals, and also as I ordered the meals, even if they were big portion sizes, because I'd thought of that question of how do I want to feel as I walk out, I didn't have that kind of insistence on just finishing everything in the plate. And uh, yeah, so it was kind of a good strategy and and it worked really well. And it's actually been interesting because with some of my clients who are looking for a bit of weight loss, it's a strategy that we put in place. And and most of them say that it's a really good strategy. So, you know, if you are someone who knows there's those moments in your life where you go OTT, it might be when you're traveling, it might be when you go out to restaurants, it might be, you know, certain times. But if you could maybe start to practice this strategy of how do I want to feel after the fact and then make decisions in the moment based on that. Well, it's, it's definitely worth the step. So that, that was kind of the main thing that I did a, a while ago around this show. And I kind of just left it at that at the time. And, and I hadn't really thought much about it until recently. And um, it, at that time, it was very much just a one, a one situation strategy. You know, that kind of when you're eating out, this is a strategy to use. But in the last period of time in my life, it's, it's actually been a strategy that I've transferred into all areas of my life. It's been a, transfer, it's been a, a strategy that I'm finding, and I'm finding it to be really, really powerful. So if we take that strategy and we kind of broaden it out to every area of your life. So, so, so we can start to think of areas of our life where maybe we lack motivation to do the thing we know we should do. And I'll give an example of myself. So, you know, when I think about my life, you know, if you think of me, it's kind of exercise and all those types of things. But there's a side of myself that 
I probably it's that thing in my life that I that I often think I should do more of this but never get around to doing and it's it's being creative with my music so and if I'm going to really define it I'm going to say writing songs so I play piano you guys know this if you listen to the show for a while and and one thing I've you know the reason I started playing the piano was because I wanted to perform create you know that was basically it and over the last period of time I've definitely have been creating obviously I'm in a band now we've recorded some songs so all the rest of it but I don't put enough time into it or at least as much time as I wish I could. And partly it's because it's kind of the last thing on my list of things to get done in my day. And partly it's because it's actually quite hard. You know, and, and also I've got a lot of kind of barriers that I put up against myself when it comes to songwriting and stuff like that. And um, so so it's kind of becomes this thing that I never do. Now, if you think of yourself, as we kind of maybe define this conversation today, if you think of yourself and you think of what's that area of your life where there's that thing that you know you wish you would do, but you kind of deep down and you never get around to it. It might be exercise, it might be a hobby, it might be learning, it might be sorting out your diet, or you know whatever that thing is for you. And for me, it is the songwriting thing. And when I was going over to Hawaii, I thought to myself, I want to write a song when I'm flying over to Hawaii. I want to I want to write some song words when I'm flying over to Hawaii. And that kind of, the resistance came on. And I, I suppose it's a really good way of defining it, isn't it? That in these areas where we want to improve but never really happen, it's almost like we think about, oh, I need to do this thing, and then resistance pops up. And so I kind of, the resistance popped up. And then I thought to myself, okay, well, what strategy can I use to get through this? And that's where I went to my kind of Hawaii dinner strategy, this whole idea of what, how do I want to feel at the end of this experience? Writing songs for me is a challenging thing because you're kind of, you're trying to put words together in a way, you know, you're kind of searching for words in a way where um, you're looking for the yes moment. You know, you obviously got an idea you're trying to, to, to express and, and then you sit down, you kind of try to express the words, and there's a lot of kind of throwing mud at the wall and not quite getting it right, and, and there's a lot of kind of, oh, I'm not there, and it, it, basically it's hard. And, but then when you get there, it's one of the most satisfying experiences you can have when you, when you get there and you actually get a, some, a list of words, and you kind of go, wow, man, that, that really represents what I was trying to get across right there. And so as I sat down and I was feeling this resistance, I went to this how-do-I-want-to-feel strategy as I went through, you know, as I to get me started, and I also kept that "how do I want to feel" strategy in place when I found those moments where I wanted to maybe move away from the activity because it was getting hard. So there was a moment where I, I had a line that I was really struggling with, and I just couldn't find the word. And and then suddenly, you know, you're on a plane, you've got the the TV screen in front of you, and the idea of watching a movie became really appealing. But in that moment, I just thought, well, "How do I want to feel? How do I want to feel?" you know, at the end of this, do I want to feel dissatisfied because I didn't, I gave up when it got a little bit hard, or do I want to feel the satisfaction of I've created something, and putting myself in that strategy of how do I want to feel at the end of this, it, it allowed me to, to persevere, it allowed me to show a bit of grit, it allowed me to push on through, and, and ultimately, it allowed me to get to the place where I found the words that I needed to find at that moment, and this has been a big thing that I've been working on in my life 
in a big way in many different areas recently is this whole idea of how do I want to feel and I'm kind of trying to live like it more and more like um yesterday I went for a run I went for you know I live in a good spot by some beautiful trail runs and um and I just thought to myself how do I want to feel in this run today how do I want to feel and I I went and saw the Oasis documentary that came out the other night and Oasis were a band of my time I love them um and I love their music and I really enjoyed the Oasis documentary and I thought how do I want to feel and I thought oh there's this beautiful trail run and I, and I want to get that emotional high, so I'm going to be pumping the music. And once I put, you know, how do I want to feel? And probably the thing I did well yesterday with my run was, I also thought, how can I enhance that feeling? How do I want to feel? But how do I enhance that feeling? You know, like I, I, I really thought to myself, oh, you know, I want to, um, I want to use that Oasis music to kind of tap into the emotions of, of intense exercise. And it was actually really interesting because then when I, st- I, I drove up because the run. I drove, like, the run, this is about five minutes away from my house, so I kind of drove to the start of my run, and uh, on the way I was listening to some sports radio, and they had a really interesting conversation, so when I started my run, I actually put the sports radio station on, and I just listened to that for the first five minutes, and I, I wasn't running how I wanted to feel, and after about five minutes, while the conversation was good, I thought, no, no, this isn't how I actually want to feel at the end of the, oh, oh God, I can get the run done this way. But it's not the feeling that I want to have at the end of this experience. And so then I kind of thought, no, no, put the Oasis music on. And it was really interesting. Once I put the Oasis music on, suddenly I'm running faster, suddenly emotionally. And, you know, the closer I got to the end, the harder I push and, and all of those types of things. And at the end of that run, I got home and I just felt great. I just felt great. And that was the moment where what I was chasing got delivered. And so was that's kind of in the song on the plane, because I actually wrote some words on the plane where I'm kind of, oh, they're pretty cool words. Now, you know, I was pretty happy with how they were. And so, you know, in the plane, when I kind of finished that last line, I was like, yes. And this is, this, you know, so this is the thing I want you to take away from this part of today's talk, is this whole idea of maybe a strategy we want to start practicing in our life overall is how do I want to feel and how do I make the most of this in the way I motivate myself towards actions, towards better behaviors? And then ultimately, on top of that, how do I enhance the way I want to feel? It was funny, you know, this, you know, you get topics in your mind, don't you? And uh, I was teaching an RPM class this morning, and I pulled out this kind of theory. I said, you know, into, you know and when I'm teaching a class, I'm always, how can I get more out of people is, is ultimately what I'm asking through every part of my communication. And I, I, I kind of told this thing, you know, the thing I'm working on in my life right now is this, how do you want to feel? And and in it, you know, I had a moment before a hard section, it was about two minutes long, and I said, you know, how do you want to feel at the end of the set? And, and what do you need to do to get there? And then I let them go. And, and then I was just saying, are you getting there? Are you doing the things that are going to help you achieve this? And you could see, you know, again, I've talked about this a lot in my show over the years, is as a fitness instructor, you know when you've hit the button. You know when you've hit the button for the person in the class and they are there. They are giving everything that they've got. And, you know, ultimately, the more often I can do that, the more I'm doing my job. And this morning when I looked up and, you know, by by leading in with this idea of how do you want to feel and then using some good questions and some good motivational tools throughout that main set, they went there. And you could see at the end of the set, like, A, everyone was pretty fatigued, but B, they got, they got what they wanted. And so I suppose if I'm going to turn this around on you, you know, you listen to this right now, 
what are some areas of your life that you you could use a tool like this in? So it might be the Hawaiian meal, you know, the, the, when I go out for dinner, how do I want to feel? And, you know, what, what are those areas in your life? Like, I'm really trying to use it in lots of areas. Like, how do I want to feel when I go to bed? Um, how do I want to feel in uh, when I work, you know, when I sit down to do focus work? How do I want to feel with my piano playing? All these kind of things, big questions, you know, that you really want to think about. That And not, not, not with this tool here, we're not thinking long term. We're kind of thinking just when I'm going to do the action next. And that's probably an important thing to think about is when I'm going to do this action next, how do I want to feel at the end of this? And ultimately, if, if we were going to add a layer on top of that is what would be the ultimate feeling that I could get at the end of this? And that's maybe even the better way of saying it. You know, like yesterday with my run, what was the ultimate feeling? It was just that charging moment where I'm flying along and I'm listening to some Oasis music and, you know, it's just really pumping me up. So then the second thing is, is then how do I enhance? So, so what's that area for you? What's the ultimate feeling you could get at the end of this? And, and sometimes it's not, you know, the run was the emotionally charged thing, but sometimes it's just satisfied that I know I made healthy choices. You know, when I walk out of the restaurant when I was in Hawaii a couple of years ago, and even the other day, even like, you know, when I was in Hawaii last week, I, I did really well not to overeat. <laughs> um, and I just felt, you know, I felt, physically I felt good because I wasn't that kind of that lethargic overeating feeling but also I just felt good because I made good choices so I felt satisfied in myself and I felt a sense of esteem because I do think there is esteem that comes with good choices and so you know I got to feel that as well and then probably the, the second point on top of that is then to go um, how do I explore the higher levels of the feelings that I can get Interesting, again, I'm kind of, as I'm talking about something about yesterday, I was playing the piano, and um, I played Radiohead's song, uh, Spirit Street, and I've played it for years, and it's one that I kind of, I'm pretty comfortable playing, but yesterday when I played it, I just went to a place where I just kind of went into the emotion, I was just thinking, how do I play this with emotion, and I kind of went to this deeper place, and, you know, that was an example of how do I get deeper into the, the emotion of the thing, so, you know, the next point is, how do I, how do I evolve, and take the place that I want to feel to higher levels. Now, I, I want you to practice this. I want you to give it a go. So maybe maybe if I'm going to give you some homework on this one, what I want you to think about is, is really choose one area of your life where you can practice this. And the goal is every time that you're going to be addressing this area, so it might be exercise, it might be my diet, it might be work focus, it might be my hobby, it might be communication with my partner, those types of things. And... When we think about that, what I want you to practice is putting some time aside before you do the thing to think about how I ultimately want to feel at the end of this, the next time I take this action, and what's the deepest level of that I can get the most out of this in, and then practice it. And then if it goes really well, well then what I want you to do is I want you to, I want you to let me know how you get along. So flip me an email and let me know how you get along because I'm really curious to see, like I'm, this is having a big impact on my life. Ultimately, and that's why I'm quite excited about sharing this with you guys. Like, this is actually having a big impact on my life. This whole idea of using the, the finish moment and the reward of the finish moment as the motivator to, to the actions I take before I get to the finish moment is, is really quite powerful in my life. So I'm really fascinated to see how you guys get along. So that's pretty much the main gist of the first part of today's show. So I'm going to check out change subjects now, but just... 
if I'm going to recap, um, identify one area of your life where you can practice the how am I going to feel, then before you take the actions in that area, put your mindset in the place of what's the ultimate feeling I want to get at the end of this, and then how do I create this in the most advanced way possible, and then practice it, and practice it lots, and then uh, maybe flick me an email and let me know how you get along. The second thing I want to talk about in today's main just of the show is just a, just a study I was reading the other day, and this is something we probably all know anyway, but it's just a study that's basically saying um, the next five months are where people put weight on. So uh, basically, I'll read it to you. So it came from Cornell Food and Brand Lab, and basically they were just saying we're probably weigh less this week than you weigh for any week for the next entire year next entire year, well I don't know about the next entire year, but next five months basically, if you're, this is basically for the American market, if you're an average American, your weight starts to rise from this week on the culprit, the holiday season, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, and New Year's, and uh, the, the study actually goes on to look at other countries as well, and saying pretty much all countries, most countries at least, have an increase in weight for the next five months because it's very much celebration season. But research findings just published in the New England Journal of Medicine shows that the weight you gain in the next three months can take over five months to lose. They they, they studied 3,000 individuals. Researchers found that in the US, weight patterns begin to rise around Thanksgiving and peak around Christmas when the new year isn't until after Easter. That's about five months later that the weight patterns even out with slight fluctuations between April and November. So, just just a re- kind of a random note at the end of the main bit of today's show, but we're coming into weight season, aren't we? We're coming into season, a temptation season, uh, that time of year, and it's just really interesting, you know, that, and it's a good study, when you get 3,000 people doing a study, that's a, that's a good study, and uh, it's just really, really fascinating to think about this time of year, and it makes sense, doesn't it, because holiday seasons, more celebration periods, more going out, more time out of routine, more kind of temptations, and so on and so on. So maybe just as we're kind of getting to the main just to the end of the main just of today's show, I just want to kind of chuck this in here today because I kind of think it's pretty important. Uh, what do you need to do to make sure you aren't one of these people? You know, you've got you know November, October, and December coming up, and you've got those three months where most people put on weight. So what do you need to do? to make sure you're not one of those people. Because the problem is it takes you five months to take it off. So it's a lot of effort for you know for the what you do in that three months. And and I imagine, although the study doesn't claim this, that a lot of people probably never take their weight off. And so each year this this block here, this this kind of three months of temptation is just slowly adding to the equation that you're kind of always losing. So in that case we kind of just want to think of some really good strategies to put in place around this time. One good strategy is the one I've just mentioned already on the show, this whole idea of uh, how do I want to feel before I go out. So if you're going to go out for a work function, how do I want to feel? It's a really good strategy. Uh, other things is maybe even limiting the amount of time you go out, you know, picking and choosing the things you're going to do. Uh, one thing I think as well is influence the environments if you can. Like it's really interesting, I've got some friends, well actually most people will do this, when you go around to their house for like the catch-up, they put lots of food out and, and it's really interesting... Like you go around to, we do it at my house, um, so I'm just as guilty as anyone else, but, uh, you know, friends come around, you have some friends around for dinner, or or you have a group of friends around, and there's always food, so there'll be a table of food, which is just picky food before the main meal, and then you tend to do a bit of a, like an open, kind of smorgasbord meal, uh, 
and then is it a dessert? And so pretty much the moment people turn up at our house to the moment they leave, they're just eating the whole time. And if I'm going to be honest, everyone's eating too much. All of us are because that food's just in front of us. Now, maybe 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 Joe and I will do this next time. Is when people aren't maybe what I'm going to try to do, what I'm kind of encouraging here is that when I'm going to invite people over, I won't have food out when they turn up. Maybe I'll just have some drinks, you know, some some drinks. And I won't put food out at first. And then what I'll do is just have the meal. And I'll just be curious to see, maybe I'll tell them after the fact, and just see, was the experience any less because there wasn't food there? Because ultimately, why do we connect with people? Now, food is a part of connecting with people, and there will be a meal within that night. But I'm not sure if we have to have, so, you know, because if we think about how much food people are eating before they even turn up, you know, or before they have the main meal. It's often a meal or more before they even turn up. And because that food's probably still on the table after the fact, they keep nibbling away at it. So, you know, so how do I influence the environment so I can control? Or maybe even with you and your friends, you guys can make a set of rules to say, you know what, we're not going to put food out until the main meal. And then after that, food all goes away. And I know that sounds like a silly thing, but actually, it's a way that makes you win. And that's what we want to think about over this season. Because if you're going to put a next month, wait for the next three months and it takes you five months to lose it, actually, by doing a couple of things like this in this time now, maybe you don't put that three months on, which means the next year is a lot easier to maintain moving forward. So just something to think about there. Anyway, this is the main gist of the show. So hopefully there's something in this. So probably my two key points from today's is start to practice that whole idea of how do I want to feel it after the fact in a way that's ultimately motivating and quite exciting. And and what's really cool about it is after the fact, when you get those feelings, it's like a game. When I had my run, when I played the song, when when I had the right meal, like it becomes an esteem-building moment. And that's where it's really cool. And then secondly, we're coming into Temptation Island, guys. We're coming into that time of year where you can put on weight just because it's that time of the year. What are some strategies that you can put in place to make sure you don't get the beginning of next year and have five months of weight you need to lose? What are some strategies where you can be proactive, like not putting food out when friends are coming over? Those types of things that can allow you to you know, win that battle in a much successful way, much more successful way. And by doing that, I'm sure you'll be a much better version of yourself. Okay, Tim, so it's pretty much the main just to show. There's actually one other thing I do want to share with you guys, and, and it's a bit personal, but that's that's how I roll, you know, how I roll. Um, what's, well, I don't know if it's personal, but it's, it's a personal experience from my life, which I think is worth, is worth sharing. So one thing I've been adding to my life um, and my kind of daily processes that keep me sharp is, and I'm not quite sure if I've talked about this on the show, but this whole idea of the nightly question of, um, did I do my best to? Did I do my best to, and, and choosing, uh, lately I've chosen a couple of areas in my life, did I do my best to connect with Joe, is one of my questions, and did I do my best to stay focused? And the idea is that you you attach that question to a routine time of night. So for me, it's when I floss my teeth and brush my teeth at night. So when I'm just doing that, I'm just asking my question, did I do my best to connect with Joe, and did I do my best to um, stay focused? And uh, I find it a really powerful tool because it's not a tool that you're trying to use in a way that's dissatisfying. It's not to go, oh, no, you suck, you didn't do it. It's to go, okay, well, where did you improve? Or where did you do well and where can you improve? So if I did really well in those areas, I can go, you know what, do it. You've done really well. You know, how do I do that tomorrow? Or if I didn't do well, it's like, okay, well, where do I sharpen up tomorrow? 
and it's I, I love it I, like I, I also at night time when I write my journal I have the three things I've done that day uh, something I've learned and something I've gave but but this kind of did I do my best you know it seems to keep me aware for the next day well recently you know the, the Joe and I are busy Joe and I, I have a great relationship because I'm really lucky Joe's, Joe's a bloody rock star and um and but the one time our, our relationship tends to disconnect is when we have a busy period for our business we've got a business and it's um every basically we, we have a sales period basically every eight weeks and that sales period is kind of when joe and i have the chance to disconnect because we're both extremely busy both kind of under the pump for about 10 days and traditionally if there's any kind of cracks in our relationship it kind of happens at that time now these aren't major cracks but you know we, we've got a pretty great relationship so you know those moments we do disconnect can be can happen and uh, uh basically this is about three weeks ago now but three weeks ago was in that moment where that was happening and, and i was using that nightly question of am i doing my best to connect with joe because i kind of knew that those 10 days leading into that sales period is is an area of our relationship that we wanted to improve on because Ultimately, what I want to do in my relationships in my life is that in the tough times of my relationships, I want to create relationships where it creates stronger connection, not weaker connection. And Joe and I, if there's any moment in our relationship where that weaker connection happens, is in that moment. And so I was just kind of, this was my focus. Over this next kind of period of time, I just asked myself, am I doing my best to connect with Joe? And uh, basically what happened was, one night we were just driving home from somewhere, and I can't remember what we were talking about, but something got said, and and it was pretty obvious that Joe was kind of upset with me. And for Joe and I and our relationship, we're quite funny because we're both people who just pull away when it gets tough. We, we like we never yell at each other. I remember once in the past, I had a girlfriend, and we went out for about five years. And uh, I remember once I yelled at her, uh, like you know, like I, I just lost the plot and I yelled, and I never yell. And uh, and she used to go, she goes, oh thank God for that, you finally show some emotion. <laughs> It was quite funny, but but um, I'm you know I'm not like that. I just kind of withdraw myself, and and so does Joe. She tends to withdraw herself. So when when there's problems in our relationship, it's quite funny because we kind of just disconnect. And and what what has happened in the past is we disconnect for a little bit, and then after a couple of days we say you know what's up and we sort it out but it, it, to be honest we're very lucky because it's I can't really remember it's pretty rare that that happens um so yeah well, I'm very lucky I've got that relationship but but anyway she she made a comment and uh and I knew that something was up and uh and I kind of started to do my withdrawal thing and then that night I went to bed and I kind of was just writing my journal and as I was brushing my teeth I asked that question did I do my best to connect with Joe? and the answer was no uh did I do my best no in a moment where she showed some kind of being upset I withdrew and so I thought to myself okay well I need to address this the next day so the next day I we were just kind of we had dinner and we're just sitting around and we turn off the tv and we're just sitting there talking and I said hey babe you know last night and you know I just kind of brought up the car thing and I just kind of said you know what was up because you know I can't remember I, I, th- I talked about this to- topic that she brought up at the time and basically what it came down to was Joe doesn't really like flying, and Joe was going over to America with her family, like the next week. And uh, Joe, Joe really doesn't enjoy flying. She kind of it's a bit stressful for her, and and unfortunately for herself, she does tend to kind of think about it a lot before the moment that she's going to do it. So she's going to be flying. She'll be thinking about it for two weeks beforehand, and and she'll be looking at the weather updates. and And it looked like there were going to be some pretty terrible weather when she was going to be leaving to go to Auckland. Um, on her flight to LA and basically turned out that the reason that she kind of 
was you know, in the car the night before where she made those comments was basically she was distressed about flying. And um, I didn't I didn't know that. And uh, I, But in that moment, she was able to let me know what the real problem was. And by letting me know what the real problem was, I was able to then be able to support her. And I was like, well, babe, we'll, we'll change your flight because we should get an early flight to Auckland. And we basically, I was able to actually help her through a moment that was really tough. And what was really cool about the moment was we really connected. Like the next day, I remember she came into my office and she just gave me a hug and, and just kind of said, oh, thank you. I really appreciate that you understand this. And, you know, and, and, and we just had this really nice moment in, in a way that was kind of that higher level connection, that higher level connection of connecting, you know, in a moment where previously we were just keep disconnecting for a couple of days and then eventually kind of figure it out. It actually became a thing that made our relationship stronger. That I had the opportunity to show you that now I'm willing to support you even when you know you are a little bit stressed about this thing, and then that made her feel loved and supported and so on. And why am I sharing this with you guys? Well, I think there's a few things that I want to share with you. That, that nightly question is a really powerful thing because a it allows you to reflect, learn, evolve or reinforce and it's something I've been doing with some of my clients and some of my clients have gotten some really great results from it so that nightly question I, I love it I love it it's such a great tool second thing um, about it is that addressing the hard stuff is sometimes hard and I'm sure anyone who's ever been in a relationship can agree that often when we have relationship problems or when there's problems even work problems you know the, the, the thing that gets complained about is never really the problem and you know, what Joe said in the car, I can't remember what she said in the car, but what she said in the car wasn't the problem. The problem was she was just a bit fearful of flying. But because she was a bit emotional, she didn't, she couldn't express that in that moment. And for me to be able to actually come at this, you know, with this idea of, no, I want to connect at a higher level, then I was able to kind of talk about it, open up, and we created a much stronger connection point for, for our relationship. And... For me, that's probably the other thing I want to share for you guys. Is, and, I don't, you know, you guys know my, my work. I'm a big believer in you've got to work on the hard stuff. And if you work on the hard stuff, you actually figure out what really needs to be worked on. And this is an example of, you know, most people, when the going gets tough, it actually hurts their relationships. It actually hurts their life. But if you can actually deal with the right thing, it becomes a thing that becomes a really powerful thing and that experience for myself and Joe became a thing that actually made our relationship even stronger and it made our relationship this thing that even in our tough times we connect more so if you're in a relationship or if you've got things in your life that you know are tough that you maybe aren't addressing maybe you could use the nightly question of, am I doing my best to improve in this area am I doing my best to connect with Joe because by asking myself that question I actually did improve my connection with Joe and in a really powerful way. So just something to think about. Anyway, that's pretty much this episode of Bevan James Show. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. I keep, my, my interviews keep, I, I know I've been promising interviews for ages. Um, going to Hawaii didn't help this one. Um, fingers crossed I'll get you one eventually, but if not, we can keep you chatting. So yeah, if you want to email me, you go to bevanjames at gmail.com. You go to Bevan James Isles for the show notes. And in the show notes, I will have the episode to the Iron Man podcast that I did with all those ones I was talking about earlier. If you want to become a patron of the show, just go to bevanjamesisles.com. It's all very obvious. And those people who are patrons, geez, you guys mean a lot to me. Like it really does. I am so lucky 
that you guys would want to support me in doing the work that I do. And uh, so I really appreciate that. If you're on iTunes or any podcatcher, chuck in, go and put a review on there. It all helps. And yeah, I'll see you guys in a couple weeks' time. Have a great couple.